All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Will Lucas here at Black Tech Green Money. The United States Digital Service, or USDS for short, is an organization within the White House with over 200 technologists from various disciplines who work in agile teams across government to improve government services for millions of people through technology and design. And today I'm talking to Florence Kasule, who's the director of procurement, which means she's leading teams that determine who the government is going to buy stuff from. She leads a team focused on building digital experiences for the American public by modernizing the acquisition process. And previously, she served as a head of acquisitions for the Defense Digital Service and led several teams as a contracting officer with the Department of Defense, the National Labor Relations Board and the Department of Health and Human Services. 
Jordan Ginn is the director of talent acquisition and his career has been an even makes a public service and talent acquisition strategy. He's currently director of talent acquisition for the USDS, having joined the organization initially in 2016 under President Obama to make sure the team that rescued healthcare.gov remained fully staffed with top talent from the private sector. Let's get to the conversation. So I'm going to start here with uh, Jordan. Um, some people have the idea that working for the government in the tech role may be, you know, less disruptive or ambitious in endeavor than it might be working for a startup or like a Google per se. And um, what is your pitch to folks when they have that preoccupation, you know, it, whether it be working directly for the White House or for the government, you know, that you're still able to sell them on making an impact and that they'll still be able to be disruptive? Um, yeah, good, good question. I would say that, um, I mean, what is more ambitious than some of the stuff that we do, right? I mean, there's, there's plenty of reasons. There's nothing wrong with the Google or, you know, there's nothing wrong with creating software and making money from it. However, when you look at some of the projects that we've been a part of, um, including uh, refugee resettlement, um, solving uh, veterans, uh, being able to sign up for healthcare, um, you know, the healthcare.gov, 20 million people are now able to get healthcare because of our intervention. I would say that um, I don't know if there's anything that's more ambitious than that. Uh, but now financially, a lot of these other places can, um, can pay you a little bit more than the government, although our salaries are not that bad. Um, but uh, if that is your definition of ambition, then maybe USDS wouldn't be the right place to come. So actually, I mean, I want to jump in kind of even pre that question. Like, do you have to know somebody to get a job at the White House, Jordan? How does this work? Of course not. How do you position so, yourself uh, to getting well, a job in the building? So <laughs> you go to usds.gov slash join. I'll say it again, usds.gov slash join. And, and you apply there. And the application is actually very much, uh, takes about five minutes. Um, upload your resume. You might you know, put your LinkedIn in there and then you are viewed by a subject matter expert. So um, you don't have to know anyone, but if you find me on LinkedIn, I'm happy to be someone that you know and I can go in, uh, go more in depth into, into that. But uh, www.usds.gov slash join. I, lo I love that. And, and Florence, there was uh, an executive order put out a bit ago. Um, I'm going to give you the title of it to, to recall your memory. Um, executive order on advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities through the federal government. It's a long title there, but you know this is what we do. Is we read well. Um, this this has implications for access to education beyond high school and continuing completing those uh, programs. Um, things like investing in resources to help advance civil rights. Um, and even procure, procurement, you know, so where the government buys from small businesses or big or medium sized and big businesses. How do black owned organizations and companies uh, doing this work, whether they be, you know, creating or improving schools, doing that work, working towards justice or even working to secure federal contracts? Like what should they know about that order that is getting overlooked, perhaps in, you know, in our social discourse about the order? and about what teeth it has to, to actually make a difference where hurdles existed before. Sure, thanks for that question. So I know that executive order really well, yeah. <laughs> long title and all. Um, and I would encourage all um, small businesses, medium, et cetera, 
minority-owned businesses to take a look at the fine details within that executive order. It is long, but you can do like a quick control fine for procurement and contract opportunities. And within that executive order, it really focuses the different agencies, executive agencies, around how to improve our engagement with small businesses and especially underserved small businesses. Um, and it gets all of the people who are in procurement to focus on what do we need to do to extend the different opportunities that exist. So those opportunities get started through market research opportunities. So what do we need to do in the government to ensure that more underserved businesses are engaged in the market research that we do? Because market research will start the process for a lot of procurement. So when we, the government, put out something that's called like a request for information or any kind of engagement where we're saying, hey, we're looking for partners in this kind of effort, whatever the effort is. Um, in our world, it's software development, but there can be so many other services that people provide. Um, and we want those businesses to engage in the market research effort to reach back to us. And part of that executive order, one of the pushes for us in the government is how do we make sure that we are not being overly burdensome to small businesses when we're asking for things? So if, as an example, if we are asking for people to engage in market research efforts, we don't want you to, to turn in a research, a large research paper, 100 pages deep, yeah. right? A lot of small businesses don't have the bandwidth or the resources to you know, write some lengthy document that may or may not mean a whole lot to us within the government at the end of the day. What do, we want the small businesses out there to engage with us in a meaningful way so we get to know what are your capabilities? What, what, who, are the, who are your constituents? What are the problems that you like to solve and that you're best suited to solve? Um, and that goes all the way through to award. We wanna understand what are the different pain points that small businesses have in working with the government? And so I encourage all of those business owners out there or you know, entrepreneurs, people who are just thinking about how do they do business with the government to read that and reread that and then reach out to people within their network who have done business with the government to figure out what are the different opportunities? Where can I find them? And I have a bunch of links that I can share with you, Will, to drop in onto your site if you have it. Um, if you can, but there are plenty of places where small business and entrepreneurs can go to look at what opportunities do exist. But the, the thrust of that executive order is we are really being intentional about how to get underserved um, com communities and businesses to engage more with the government. It's, it's, it's all you... of our taxpayer dollars, right? For so sure. we want to make sure that people, people have access to them. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, 
Participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mentioned, like, you know, the research paper length of, like, a response to a, an information request. So, because I had brought this up to even at the state level, you know, when you're going to apply for, or, you know, position an RFP versus a, a, a request that was put out, you know, sometimes a small business is, a small business doesn't have a person dedicated to spend three weeks to respond to exactly. the actual business request. So you, you mentioned it from the perspective of an RFI, but can you talk about that, how you are working at least and what things, why is it so long in the first place? Why is it so much information that you need in the first place to be able to get in the door to a government contract? So there are, I can answer that in a, in a variety of ways, but one we have been doing a lot of work on my team. Um, I am director of the procurement side of the house at USDS. And so we've been working a lot with different agencies on how to streamline that acquisition process. And, you know, we talk a lot about show me, don't tell me um, in terms of like what your capabilities are. So when we, when we work with agencies to, to issue solicitations or requests for quotes, um, we really try to focus on that business coming to the table to tell us and show us how they, how, what is their, what, put their best foot forward and show us why they are the best one suited to get this job, to get this particular award um, versus the, you know, 50 page, 100 page, 150 page document that may be, you know, pulled together by a consultancy and not necessarily that, that business. We want those the engineers or whoever is actually going to show up on day one or that team whoever's going to show up on day one to actually be there to have a conversation with us um but there are there are a lot of rules and regulations tied around federal procurement and so there are requirements that we have in terms of a vendor a, con a contractor showing us and telling actually telling us by paper or by you know in digital form what their capabilities are, but we work hard to make sure that that is not an onerous task. So when we go through um, issuing a solicitation, it will be a request for, hey, show, give us 10 to 15 pages of what your capabilities are and what, this, what your solution is to this particular problem. Um, and then we'll work with them on what the showing part means. So we'll do like a code challenge. Um, show us artifacts from your past that you've built. What have you successfully built and for who? Um, in order for us to get, to have some idea of what they've actually done in order for us to evaluate them against their peers. Speaking directly to that, you know, showing versus telling, did you find, or do you continue to find, you know, particularly black owned companies, you know, we heard all about, you know, the issue with them getting PPP relief because we just, a lot of us just didn't have our documents in order. Um, do you do you continue to find black owned organizations, black owned companies struggling to get their documentation in order to be able to, you know, position um, to your proposal request? I have not found that myself. I think when by the time that vendors and we do a lot of a lot of the contracts that we have worked with agencies to award are to small businesses. And so a number of them do like mentor protege programs with the SBA in order for them to understand what are, what is the baseline what are the baseline requirements that you need to know in order to do business with the government so by the time our solicitations or requests for quotes go out they are well prepared to answer the mail 
right? So they know by then when we've done, when we've gone through the market research effort and we've called folks forward to say, hey, these are, this is a draft of what we are, we are seeking, right? They all know, they'll have some idea of this is not going to be, you know, a fire drill of 50, page, 50 pages or 100 pages. We are, our style is to come for, we want you to bring, bring your best foot forward and not throw 50 pages at us. Yeah. <laughs> um, we really want you to show us what you, what your capabilities are. And John, you talked a little bit about this, you know, particularly like, you know, the salary differentiation between working in, you know, the government versus working at, you know, a fame company, a Facebook, Apple, Amazon, you know, Netflix, Google. Um, can you talk about like the, like, what is it like to work in the White House as a tech person? Like, you know, is this some, somewhere I'm coming in, in a two piece suit every day? And like, you know, the, you got folks who you're trying to recruit who are used to getting, you know, the free kitchen. Like you just go get your run of the kitchen. They, they make a whole situation. Don't there's donuts and graham crackers and all these things. How do you compare to that to working in the White House, particularly just working in the government in tech? OK, there was a there was a couple pieces to that. First, this uh, collared shirt that I put on <laughs> is very much me dressing up um, in the office. You'll find a lot of folks that are in hoodies. Now, obviously, if you're meeting with like cabinet members, uh, you might dress up and, and put on the suit. But uh, as far as the dress code, which is, you know, uh, of differing levels of importance, depending on who you are, um, the dress code is still very much in line with the tech um, tech organizations. We do not have things like massage chairs or, you know, pods or coconut water um, in the fridge. We do have some Diet Pepsi and right, 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 there was some goldfish right. that I saw. Um, just plain potato chips. Everybody ate all the barbecue and this, you know, and the sea salt and vinegar. So we've got plain, you know, so so it's not as much there. Um, and so, like I said, like there's lots of reasons why people go into technology. I find that there's kind of three three buckets. Um, one is maybe you want to build a robot that can fall in love or a self-driving car or or things of that nature. Um, now, uh, that's that's not necessarily us. Um, sometimes you go into it, uh, people go to make as much money as you can. Um, that is certainly not us. But I think a lot of people go into technology because technology is a vehicle to help as many people and solve as big of problems as possible. Um, and so that is generally what kind of drives folks. You talk about kind of the culture is the question that you're asking about. And so um, the thing I love about it is that everybody, the, the sample size of folks that come to USDS are people that uh, want to help and want to work on something beyond themselves. Um, and so that creates a culture of collaboration, kindness, empathy, um, while still in hoodies, uh, eating some plain potato chips instead of barbecue yeah. or coconut water. Um, and I think we've got a good, um, we've been, I think we've got a pretty good representation in the organization um, from different groups, well represented and, and underrepresented. It's always a bicycle that you want to ride, but I think we, we're blowing tech, typical tech out of the water, um, blowing most organizations out of the water as far as having good representation. So it really is truly a, a, a collaborative environment um, where I think, uh, it makes up for some of those other things you might find somewhere like trying to take out competitors, venture capital uh, issues with, uh, you know, trying to cater to the shareholders uh, or golden handcuffs. I think it feels better. And there's something about like I've, I spent eight hours a day and it helped uh, yeah. it helped people in the world that were uh, most vulnerable. Um, 
it's worth at least you know a couple dollars per hour i'd say yeah i mean and you i'm glad you mentioned the thing about like venture capital to where you're not really you know trying to build a product to be able to take to vcs and hopefully get them funded but how does it work in the respect of you know is there's like this infinitum budget that we get to go build stuff with like how does how does you know you how do you determine you know what a particular project will get what level it will be funded at there is no such thing as an infinite budget i think anywhere but in the government these are these are programmatic dollars so they have come down from congress to say hey there's a as an example with um infant formula right there was an infant, infant formula crisis we need to make sure that babies who need families that need this infant formula um know where to find it and get it as soon as possible so there will be funding that is allocated for that and so we will work with the agency working on that particular problem set with those budget dollars right so we don't get to we don't get to assign the budget dollars we are working with the agency that that is that has that particular um budget line so we but we are very scrappy with the, with the budget that exists because we are working with the engineers that exist within our organization as, as well as our federal partners who are working on whatever problem set that and and issue that we're working on you know within the different teams um but it it the budgets can go from like very small and by very small i can it can mean you know under a hundred thousand dollars to well into the millions depending on what the problem set is and what agency is working on it and what the urgency is so it it really it's one of those where it depends i like that and, and jordan particularly because you're working on recruiting i you know without getting into the politics of things like you know are these term jobs and what i mean by that is if, if i'm recruited to come work you know in this office am i there for this administration should or am i there am I, or do i just have a job until i find somebody i just don't want to work for anybody anymore Okay, yeah, I don't know how to answer that without getting into the weeds, but we hire on an authority that's called Schedule A Subpart R. Um, not something that I expect somebody to kind of keep with them unless you're in kind of the um, government HR world. Um, but the way it works is that as you, it's a, an appointment that is what they call two plus two. So um, generally that means that you're, um, if you get an offer, you're allowed to come and stay in the government for four years. Um, so you don't, we are non-political, so we don't necessarily, it's not like uh, as the administration leaves, you know, kind of everyone goes. So um, I have, for instance, I actually left and came back, so I've worked under uh, all, I've worked under Obama, I've worked under Trump, and now currently work under the current administration. Um, and, you know, there's definitely, everybody has their own kind of personal politics and beliefs. Um, I found that no matter who you want as your president or whether you agree with them or disagree, similar to other government agencies, the military, um, you're still serving the American people. Um, so going back to your question, um, people generally can come for up to four years. There's some nuances to it. Um, and you can stay. Um, and so many people traversed uh, multiple administrations because uh, the people that ultimately um, received the help were everyday citizens, um, people on Medicaid or Medicare, um, veterans, people that had been denied, um, been denied benefits based on things that were unfair. And so um, for some people who is in the White House at the time, uh, will either make it more appealing or prohibitive to work with us. 
Um, I personally, and I know a lot of folks that have landed on the American people, uh, really don't uh, stop existing based on who is in the White House. So um, if you came today, you could come for four years, um, which could, you know, which could mean that you're serving under one or two presidents, um, depending on how some things shake out. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And Florence had mentioned something, Jordan, about like the show versus tell when you're trying to sell to the government. You know, they're. They, they do care about what you tell them, but they want to see your portfolio, right? Is, is it 
it doesn't work the same way when I'm trying to get a job. Like if I learned how to program on an online boot camp, could I get a job with the U with the United States government or even the White House more specifically? The answer is yes. We don't um we have a very very embedded policy not to um to just go by ability, right? So we don't really take into account which college you went to. Um, we don't really even take into account whether you're um, a specialist in this particular language or that particular language. Um, what we want are folks that have, um, there's a certain amount of experience that we want people to have. Generally, um, we want people that have worked on something um, without just all of the resources in the world. So you mentioned kind of like um, a Google and a Facebook uh, as far as like people coming from there. And a lot of times we want folks that have maybe been there and seen kind of like the optimal environment. But then we also really need someone that uh, has that experience, but then has also done it in a very scrappy environment. Maybe it's a startup. Maybe it was in uh, in a place where they didn't have all the resources. And so how somebody learned via whether it was boot camp, re-education, self-taught um, is irrelevant. The experience piece is really um, we do want someone who's had some successes, right? Um, and then almost as important as those, some failures that they um, that they got some grit from. Um, but uh, so that's a long-winded way of saying, yeah, boot camp, uh, learned at night, uh, learned on your own with a book, um, pretty irrelevant. We we um, try to ask the questions where somebody can show their um, show their abilities, um, and and then we try to calibrate it so that. Um, it is, uh, it really just focuses on that and really doesn't take into account any of those more superficial things. Yeah. And, and Florence, I was reading an article, I actually might've been listening to an article that you were on and, and, and the question was posed about government efficiency. And, um, we think about things in, in, from the perspective of, and I don't want to make a assumption here, but I imagine things that are not like coming from the top and maybe it's the president pushing through healthcare.gov. That some things that are maybe on the fringes may take longer to get through just because of government bureaucracy or whatever. I don't want to make some assumptions there. Maybe you can clear that up. But you, your response to the question about efficiency was, you know, it's all based on us. You know, it's people as efficient as we want to make it work. It can work. And so in, 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 in discussing how we can be more efficient in getting things through the pipeline of, you know, from concept to delivery. Can government truly be more efficient? Though? Like, like what happens that it becomes less efficient? Let's answer that first. I, I believe government can be way more efficient, right? Like there are so many aspects to how we do our work that I think, you know, if I had a magic wand, I'd say, let's move this thing faster or, you know, whatever it is that, that people, you know, will have some pain point or concern or, or issues with. Um, but there are reasons why, why the government will be slower than your your you know tech company out there to pr to provide some sort of service or deliver something one our our customer base for lack of a better word is all of the public so we have to take all of the public into consideration and so we don't we're not taking a slice of the public and focusing all of our efforts and skills and everything towards one particular group and so therefore we can Kind of ignore the rest and put blinders on the rest and just deliver directly to that group we have to think of absolutely all of the edge cases right in order to make sure that delivery is going to your grandmother who may not have cell service 
to your teenager who's who is you know running circles around grandmother to you know veterans who are wounded to like everyone across the board and you know caretakers so when we have when we're taking all of those concerns and and all of those people in consideration it does naturally slow things down a bit while because we have to think through all of the potential all the potential issues in delivering a particular service um but that doesn't mean that we can't be faster than what we are where we are now um in delivering some things i think there are aspects to how we do our work around um bringing great talent to the table to make sure that we have that we are leveraging the talent in government as much as possible because there are some bureaucratic processes that I've seen in my career where I'm like, we are doing that because we did that 20 years ago. It definitely can be challenged and pushed in order to be made more efficient. And we have excellent federal civil service workers today who are making those changes. As w and they're doing it in collaboration with people who we need that are listening potentially to this podcast who are like, I have ideas on how to make this more efficient. Can I come and join you know, USDS or any of the other agencies out there to help think through the different problems to make those things more efficient. But I think at the end of the day, we need people who can think outside the box and think and know how government works as well. People who don't know how government works and people who, who have been in this bureaucratic machinery as well, who can work together to make it more efficient. You know, um, we often shake our fists at some of the biggest tech companies um, who could do better at hiring women and black candidates uh, who are just as skilled and as talented. Um, and it would likely be naive for me to say that hiring for tech roles in the federal go federal government is purely based on merit. I don't know. You guys can answer that. Um, but how are you working to create you know, you know, more open pathways um, to create success stories in the federal government, you know, that federal tech workforce for minority candidates. I'll start with Jordan on this one. Um, I mean, I think when you, the way we approached it, um, when we have, um, for instance, you know, we have currently four black directors, the um, with majority women in leadership, um, lots of other lots of other categories as well, um, and I guess so. One of the things that I want to flip on its head is that you said create the opportunities. Um, the opportunities just should be there. Like every every person that we had that made it to that upper echelon, or uh, that's a weird word, but um, but like to the to that leadership role. Right. It was a fair and balanced, you know, process to select that person. Right. And so then the way we got there was just making sure that we had representation at, at all different layers. Right. <clears throat> and so in order to do that, uh, we have put in a lot of work to make sure that um, our organization, to the best of our ability um, as, a, as a group, has those folks in the door. Um, and so it's a map. So what the ways we've done to it, it, the way we've done it is by going to where those populations are, right? Uh, you can't just wait for them to come to you. So our technical recruiters are very geared towards 80% of their time is balancing out market forces. Now, to some degree, that's balancing out market forces is okay, the supply and demand of tech workers is out of, you know, out of sync, right? And you, you can look at some of the 
you know, salary inflation that occurs as, as evidence of that. But one of the other ways that the market forces are out of whack is that um, if you wait for people to just apply to you, um, apply at your website, and you don't go to those places, both, um, you know, public spaces like this and one-on-one, -on -one, um, then they won't be in the door. And if they're not in the door, then they're not going to make it to those, um, to those, to those uh, elevated roles, right? So, so there's a little bit of a drive there. The other piece is um, after you, and that's really kind of looking at diversity, but after you look at diversity, um, do you have equity, inclusion, accessibility, and belonging? And so I would say that that is the second piece um, is, because uh, for a stretch of time, we would have folks come and then they wouldn't stay because they didn't feel supported. Um, and so we've put in a lot of work to make sure that once people come, um, they're not only just in the door, they're not just in junior level roles, um, but that they're heard, uh, that they feel like they belong, and that um, they're always listened to. And then when you have that, it is actually just kind of, uh, it's not making an opportunity. It, it, the, the cream rises to the top, and, and I think that that's what has happened um, at USDS. Um, now if you, um, and then basically the other philosophy that we've looked at is if our, if our interview process is supposed to be representative of America, but it keeps shooting out one thing, the only, the only way to look and say, oh, our, our interview process is working perfectly is to make essentially a racist statement, right? It means that this type of population is actually better at something. And so I think one of the other things that we've done is make sure that whenever we're seeing something where not the right ratio of folks or not the right populations are making it to the end of a process, um, you have to look at that as in there's something that needs to be debugged and not just throw up your hands and be like, oh, this thing isn't out there. Oh, yeah. society's too, um, society's too broken or whatever. So I think that those are the ways, I mean, I think the folks create opportunities for themselves. Um, as long as we just facilitate something that, um, pushes us towards, uh, the representation that should have always existed and should exist everywhere. For sure. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians. Or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic so slow, connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Sure, for sure. And Florence, I'm going to give you the same thing, but I'm going to add a little bit of a twist. If you want to answer that directly, you can. But I'm gonna, let me add this twist in first. Is from the procurement side, the reason why we have a lot of things like, you know, um, like I think it's 7A certifications and things like that. 8A. 8A, 8A, 8A certifications is because historically these things have not been equitable for, for black folks. And I wonder um, what are what is your admonishment to black owned businesses from the certification perspective and others that you may be aware of that I just don't know to ask to get engaged with so that we can be more competitive when we come to the table with our thing? I think so the challenge I give to everyone is know what the rules are to do business with with the federal government. I've had um, many chats with with small businesses. I have them every week, um, every Wednesday. I, people reach out to say, hey, can I can we have a conversation about um, what it's like to work in the government? How do I get a government contract, et cetera? Um, and so I welcome and encourage all I have meetings with folks all the time. Um, asking questions about this, specifically in the in the tech space. And um, many times I'll have conversations with people who have never heard of SAM.gov, the system for award, for award management, have never heard of different programs that exist within the SBA. And so bef- I encourage people before you even come to the table to have that conversation, to do a little bit of that homework before um, so that they are as knowledgeable as possible about what these different opportunities are, where, um, like, what is the 8A program for small businesses? It's a wonderful program um, where, by the way, if, you're, if you are part of this program, the federal government can award up to $4 million directly to your company for, for uh, an award, for a contract. Um, that is a non-competitive contract that can be awarded directly to your business. Um, but it, you have to know about it in order to actually engage and know which, you know, who's actually playing in that space and what um, what opportunities exist for those. But I'd say understanding what these different programs are because teams like mine, there are a lot of other teams like mine across the, um, across the government who are doing a lot of work to try to do outreach to um, underserved businesses to make sure that the word gets out to those businesses. Like I, I went to different um, I go to different conferences and try to have conversations with as many underserved businesses as possible that are there to ensure that they know 
that A, USDS exists, and that the, where the different opportunities exist as well um, across the agencies. And so, it, Florence, I'd like you to talk about, a little bit about the differences between um, these entrees into doing business, uh, contracting with the government, these prime opportunities and these sub um, opportunities. And then as you discuss that, like what is, as you define what those are, can you talk about what incentive a prime has to sub with, you know, a minority owned company? Certainly. So we have, you're going to make me get into like procurement nerd space for a little bit here, Will. So um, the government has what's called privity of contract with the prime, where we have a direct relationship with the prime vendor. So that is the vendor whose name is going to be on that contract. So we, that is where the money is going to flow. That's who's ultimately responsible for the, perfor the performance of that contract to make sure that it's successful and delivery is actually accomplished. Um, and so that's who our relationship is. When I, when I used to sign contracts, my, my concern was who's, whose name is on that contract, right? So the incentive for that prime to have subs, there are small business goals and subcontracting goals that exist within the government depending on the dollar amount. And every different agencies have their different small business and um, small business sub goals. So that's something that for all of the, the audience who's listening to, listening to this podcast to understand where the different subcontract goals exist and what they are. Um, but primes are incentivized to have subs because primes can't do everything. I've known contractors where they are the prime, but they don't do design. They just don't have, they don't have that expertise in house. So they have to sub with an excellent small business that is a design firm that specializes in this, in this particular area, um, or that has expertise in a very special, like their, their user base is all, is mostly veterans. They, they've served veterans in a particular way. And so that large prime business doesn't have that particular expertise. So they have to go to that sub to get that expertise in the door. Because when we're doing that evaluation to evaluate which vendor is best to do, to provide, an, to get an award with and to be in a relationship with for the next year or more, we want to know like who is, who's all going to be at the table. And if that prime doesn't have the expertise that they can bring to bear and they're, and they're not able to tell us that or show us that in, their, in the evaluation scheme or process, we're going to know it because they haven't they haven't shown their the full their full capabilities and most of the time i've seen those full capabilities happen when they are in concert with um, a very strong sub or more subs um i'm going to position this for both of you guys yeah i was having a conversation a couple of episodes ago about um just being purely opportunists you know sometimes we think because uh, we're, we're trying to get a contract that we have to have the most innovative thing in the world to be able to position as the next thing. But there's people who I'm sure are making hundreds of thousands of dollars selling pencils, you know, just because they have, you know, manufacturing and they can, they got the person who wants to buy it and they, you know, contract that thing. So they're making all this money selling pencils. Right. And so I, w I want to get your ideas on what are some of the easier ways for people who just want to be an opportunity 
you know, um, a magnet, somebody in the middle who can, you know, either have the manufacturing relationship and the relationship with people who want to buy the thing. What are some of the most fluid ways to selling to the government without having to have the most innovative, you know, um, offering? So my immediate response to that is be able to show up and be passionate about the problem that you're trying to solve. It does not have to be the most innovative thing. Like I've seen some vendors, I've, I've issued solicitations in the past where we're asking for um, vendors to do provide to provide a particular service, and it's not necessarily the most innovative solution that is that wins. It's they are passionate about getting this particular work. They're they're going to show up on day one with a passionate team. They show the cap that they have the, the strong capabilities to do so. They've performed in the past and they've been great at performing and they get the award. Like I've, I've seen it where we're not asking for like you to take us to the moon, right? Or beyond the moon. We're asking for you to like show up, be passionate, be great partners and like get the work done with us. Um, and so I, I would definitely challenge those who are who may think that it's like I'm, I need to build the, like the next version of the best pencil ever. It may not be that. It's really showing up and saying, look, I'm in this space. I'm really interested in being in this space. I've worked in this space for years and I'm ready to like we're ready to roll up our sleeves and be partners with you. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBon and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Sarah Ergen and Rose McLucas. Special thank you to Michael Davis and Vanessa Serrano. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. The video version of this episode will drop to Black Tech Green Money on YouTube next week, so tap in. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Share this with somebody. Go get your money. Peace and love. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work. In traffic so slow, connect the dishes to voices that glow. 
Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.